the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We are here fully clothed and in our right minds. Uh, at least I'm fully clothed. Jacob is in his right mind. Good to see, uh, John's still getting us fixed up, but we are ready to go. We're going to finish up talking tonight about First Samuel, and we get started into the second book of Samuel. Well, of course, uh, I, I suppose it's important or good to know that these were at one time one book, right? That Samuel was one work, one uh, historical work that was presented, and uh, yeah. it was divided at the time of the, uh, one of the times of the translations. Were, was it the when the when it was translated from Hebrew to Greek? I'm it, not it, sure when, to be honest okay. with you, but you're right. The Samuel, actually, <clears throat> actually the uh, the kings were also a part of the Samuel. King, the Chronicles, you know, the, all of those are the first and seconds, I so guess. So they were actually, at one time historically, they were referred to as... Uh, First Samuel, Second Samuel, Third Samuel, and Fourth Samuel, which was the kings and the you know the first and second kings. Oh, is that right? They were all Samuels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third and Fourth Samuel. That would be so. I mean, it seems like well, it would be that's okay. It, you know, they worked it out. Yeah. Then they well, they advertised that everybody caught on, so it worked. <laughs> well, it's really crazy when you get onto that. Prehistoric internet, I suppose, is what they what they did. Well, we're in First Samuel, and and oh, there's tons of questions, uh, Jacob, about that I have about these these times, the, these historic times of uh, when God is dealing. Uh, 
I, I guess you have to remember, okay, and every, every time you read one of these, th- these are focusing primarily, when we read these books, it's the story primarily of the creator in this time of history and the development of the human race. He's dealing with in a very special way with this particular people group, what we call in the nation of or the people of Israel. The, uh, it wasn't really a race. Uh, they're, they're not a race in and to and of themselves, or you're not a race. Into your, you, you, it's a people group of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and of course, we've also taught many, thought many times about the fact that it includes not only people who were genetically connected to uh, the, to Israel in that sense, but also to many hundreds. I don't know how many in a given time, how many of the people of Israel were that that were in Israel that were uh, part of Israel were actually um, uh, Gentile converts to uh, following the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And like we talked about Ruth, we've talked about, there are so many others uh, that we read about and know about Rahab, but then that would mean that there are probably, I'm guessing, many thousands. Is there ever any estimate, uh, any guesstimate given to how many, let's say in the the times of Samuel, for example? I can give you the final count. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what the final count means, but okay. I do. The entire world will be Jews. Israel. The entire world will be Israel. Uh, All right. Because uh, I've heard a couple of shows over the weekend. I was listening to a couple of preachers, and they were talking to me, saying, oh, yeah, you know, oh, the Jews got to get, come in. They got to come in. And I I was with somebody, and I said, that's fascinating to me because that's not biblical. It's quite reversed. It says (laughs) the Gentiles Gentiles are grafted in. It doesn't say anything about Israel grafted in. (laughs) Exactly. I do understand that. I kind of understand both statements, but I. I would agree. I have to agree with you strictly on the biblical basis. It is not the Jewish people who have to come in. We are the ones who are coming in to the trust and faith in the uh, in the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I, I get that and I understand it. Uh, but that's part of my question tonight. What I wanted to ask you is that during these times of, uh, let's say, Samuel here, and later on in the kings at the times of of Saul, of David, of of, of Solomon, uh, and so on, and all these things we're going to be reading about from the uh, Hebrew scriptures now in the next months or so. It during this time, I am curious to know uh, what was the what was the understanding of um, how would I say it. What was the understanding of being right with God and, and, and ready to pass on into death with confidence? You know, the idea of having a confident, secure relationship with God and, 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 and being able to know that I'm going to be with God. I'm going to, uh, I'm sure I'm sure that was a part of the life and, and story of individuals. I mean, they Surely they had an interest in that. Are you referring to like an afterlife? Uh, yeah, and I'm talking about the whole concept of, of like... Sometimes we talk about this whole idea, the salvation aspect, ah. where where we where we are ready and confident and at peace about our going to be with God. We're not worried about uh, a punishment or that. But uh, and I'm sure that was the experience of some people. They had peace and they they 
and I I suspect my 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 thought on the matter is it's the usual suspects. It's faith. Oh, that's a, I thought it was a movie you were quoting. No, 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 but I'm but I'm suspecting that it's always been faith. I mean, from Adam on. The, the the way that the human the way that we respond to God the way that we bring in, into our life experience the goodness and the promises and the blessings of God is through faith and we of course that faith is expressed in some way through our obedience and trust in His laws as we know them as God reveals them to us but I'm supposing that that's a part of it but was that a, was that kind of a, a I mean, you often say that uh, for Jewish people that, you know, they don't think of the Bible so much as uh, about the salvation aspect of it. But you you're more focused on the idea of is how the people of God should live here on earth. This is it, it, those of us who know God and love God and want to serve God and, and honor God in our lives. These are guidelines and uh, that where God shows us how we should live, how we should treat people and so on. And I and I. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. I think that's ex- extremely valid. But I wondered, uh, we in our, I don't know, from maybe from our Gentile perspective and from uh, maybe coming from uh, the outside in that sense, I, I don't know if it's a Gentile thing or just an American thing. Well, or something, but we seem to be kind of, we emphasize that aspect. Yeah. Well, the, there's a famous line among the Jews, uh-huh. And it really is meant to capture the idea about the Bible, uh-huh. the Torah. Uh-huh. They always say, there is no Torah in heaven. Right. You don't need it. And if you really capture what that's meaning, it means the Torah is meant for here on earth. And there's these cute little stories about how the angels argue with God about why should the human beings be given the Torah. And that the angels would say, oh, well, gee, it should be given to us. It's really meant for us. And then the, then uh, God says, well, you know, the, are you supposed to do this? And they say, well, no, it doesn't apply. And he says, then it's clear, isn't it, that it belongs to human beings. And it belongs on earth. Mm-hmm. So you're right. And this is a difficult concept, I grant. Uh, But the afterlife is not the major concern of the Jews. Now, why is that? So if I would suggest that as we're reading the Tanakh, the Old Testament, um, that is meant to illustrate, as from the Jewish point of view, and some people think they wrote it, um, the... uh, that how we are supposed to conduct ourselves, how God wants us to live on earth. In fact, I might quote Jesus, a Jewish fellow. You've mm-hmm. probably heard of him. I've heard of him. He was in all the papers at one time. Yeshua, I think, a Hebrew name. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And so he says, let your will be done on earth as in heaven. That line is a quote from both Psalms and a Proverbs. Mm-hmm. And if you read the rest of it, it says, and therefore I will obey your laws. So you will on heaven, uh, uh, the will of heaven. Are you talking about the uh, the Old Testament version of it? Yes. Because in the Lord's Prayer, I don't think it says no, I will No, he's obey. quoting uh, a verse from the Proverbs from the Psalms. Right. Uh-huh. And if you go back and look at the verse he's quoting, the rest of the verse says that uh, it is uh, your will for me to follow your mm-hmm, laws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but as far as, so if, when you're reading this, my suggestion to people is always try to distinguish between what you would call the physical and the afterlife or the spiritual. Mm-hmm. The spiritual, for the, from the Jewish point of view, 
And I know this is a wrinkle for. Don't Christmas. worry. I, we'll, we'll see. I'll tell you okay, if you're then, wrong. I, I know you will. <laughs> and, and then when we get up there, I'll be happy to remind you. Okay. Uh, but the point is uh, that the Jews have the understanding they are going to heaven. So it's achieving it cannot be done by doing God's laws. But that, you, you, wait a minute. Uh, uh, well, no, 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 I'm not going to interrupt you. Keep going. Okay. So I, no, no, I, you told us this before, and I, I I've have. always kind of wondered and, at it. And so they're going to get to heaven. And so there's a, certainly a judgment and all that kind of thing. But So it's a kind of a difficult concept for a, a Christian point of view. But they've got the idea, hey, you know, I'm not worried about heaven. Okay. God is which Jews act. are going to get to heaven? What's that now? Are you, which Jews? Are we talking genetics uh, here? Uh, Anybody, whether genetic or not, that uh, joins the covenant, you might say. Mm -hmm. And certainly, I mean, it's not racial. It's certainly not nationality. And it's not gender. Um, It is somebody that commits their being to obeying God. From the Jewish point of view, they're going to get to what you would call heaven. From the Jewish point of view. And and it ties in with what you said at the very beginning of the the program. In in that sense, you're not... You're talking about... We could substitute the word Israel. I mean, actually, there's a there's a passage in the scripture to say that all Israel will be saved. You could say it exactly like that. And and that's the idea is that all people who truly, sincerely, now I'm not the judge of that, and and only God would be worthy of being a judge of that in their heart. He knows the heart of man, every man. But so what you're not when you say that every Jew will be saved, you're not talking about. Surely, and if, I'm I'm just thinking of our, our listener out there in his car going, "Oh, say, that's pretty." Uh, well, let's say ethnocentric. Uh, let's use know. the word Israel, and so in Israel or Judaism, mm-hmm, okay. you have to say, "Well, what is the ism? The ism is the religion of Abraham, mm-hmm. Isaac, and Jacob. Mm-hmm. Judah followed it, so it mm-hmm. became Judaism. Mm-hmm. Judaism. I get it. And the law was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I get it. So." Uh, do they consider it exclusive to them? And that's one of the very few religions where they do not think it's exclusive to them. Now, I, I'm aware that Christians have the doctrine of uh, believe in Jesus, get to heaven. I'm aware of that. The Muslims also have but, this, a competing But doctrine. wait a minute. You do have to... I well, I'm probably going to get in trouble over this one no, now. You want to get in trouble? So what makes you think you know, that? Please feel free, Sophie. Yeah, yes, of course I am, and I and I understand that. Um, this but, is taking a different bend. The whole yeah, we are, but but the whole thing is is that yeah, mm, this, I, I I hear you know. Oh, if this is time for someone to call in and go, tell Jacob that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right. But if if folks would think about the verse mm-hmm. and what it says, right. it is not saying, did the, Jesus did not say, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and anyone that's going to be heaven is going to know about me and trust me and receive me into his heart as a personal Lord and Savior. He said, I, no one is going to come to the Father except through me. Okay. And that leaves the door open that there are some people who maybe, for lack of understanding and knowledge about Jesus, knock of, that 
They don't know about Jesus, but they're going to, but because of their faith and their longing, and desire for God, and their what we talked about, what you just said about loving God, wanting to honor God, and no, seeking no, God, not, that they're going to only gonna, loving God <clears throat> and honoring God is simply because <clears throat> it is one of God's laws. Yeah, it's, that's what I mean. It's not emotional. No, I'm not talking about emotion. Well, I'm talking I, about well, for the guy out there in the car you mentioned. I'm thinking of him trying to figure, turn up the volume on his radio and saying, "What are they saying?" Yeah. So I want to make it clear for him. I know that you understand. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I, and and this is important to me for several reasons. One, of course, just oh. theologically and understanding the sure. scriptures and what the Bible actually says. On the other hand, too, it's about I, I've been around the world. I've seen other cultures, 35, 40 countries of help share the gospel in India, Mongolia, and places where people had never heard and so on. I think I so heard I'm familiar with that. Johnny Cash, wanted man in California, wanted man in Ohio. <laughs> it, it, I ran from place to place, right? Uh-huh. Trying. No, but th- that, uh, in terms of ministry and the, and the mission field here for about 50 years, and then uh, the, the, the fact that I'm Native American and, I, and my ancestry that come from you know, Mescalero Apache tribe and Native Americans that were here on this. And we full, we know clearly that 500 years ago, or even less than that, actually, but there were thousands and thousands of, of men and women here on this who had never heard these things, unless you kind of get into some of the exotic doctrines and beliefs that somehow, you know, Jesus came here. Well, do you believe it's and so correct on. that in Islam, they have their point of view that... Uh, the, the doctrine of Islam applies to Muslims, and that they get to heaven. I, I don't know that. Do, I don't know that. Okay, to tell you the truth, I don't know that, and and right. I don't think. Well, I, I think try. Muslims. And right. I can't speak for all Islam because you know how diverse it is. There's different groups, and they have different. They don't all. There's not okay, monolithic. Let's try Christians. They don't all believe the say same it's thing a anyway. Fair thing for Christians. <clears throat> okay, and it's okay with me. Okay, that their do- general doctrine is believe in Jesus and you get heaven. But see, that's different bes- from saying oh. all believe in Jesus are are the only ones who get to heaven. Uh, it's different. That's not the same thing. Okay. It, what we're sharing is a what we share and and think I I think from Scripture and we take our uh, Old and New Testaments. Uh, we we ours is a positive message that look you can have a confident, secure relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Okay. It doesn't say if you don't receive Jesus Christ, you know you're going to hell. You're not going to. No matter. That's not the point. The point is that you can have on the positive side. You can be you can be confident. You can trust in 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 God's faithfulness and His love as expressed through the Messiah, the redemption process, and you can know God in a confident and, uh, way. Would it be your thought that some avenue in Christianity is if somebody has never heard of Jesus, yeah. right? And he's never, uh, as you say, all those phrases about mm-hmm. loving and honoring Jesus the Messiah and all that kind of stuff, that he still would get to heaven. Not honoring Jesus the Messiah because they don't know about Jesus, well, but you, just the Creator. you just used, yeah. would that person still get to heaven if they didn't know that? Okay, let me, uh, I, I can't, you know we can't judge that and you wouldn't try it either. No. But what I'm saying is, just like the Old Testament, a lot of uh, these men and women did didn't know the the, the the informed Jewish men and women that reading about we're reading about David and other they had a concept of the Messiah the Redeemer the Savior the redemptive plan of God 
and they knew and they trusted in it and they believed and they showed that faith now they didn't know his name was going to be jesus of nazareth you know comfortable for you i think it's fair if i delivered that question to you that that question be delivered to me okay so i can easily well i think you've already answered it i have jews believe that all people can get to heaven they do not heaven don't have to become jewish in the religious sense Uh, thank you that's what i was going to say okay you do not have to be a jew to get to heaven so therefore there is no exclusivity however if a person decides they want to do that then that's a commitment that's a covenant but they do from the jewish point and essentially that commitment is not a salvation in your understanding nothing whatsoever to do with getting to heaven heaven as we're using that well how do i want to make this clear for the listeners okay heaven when i say heaven because if there's a jewish listener they're going to know i'm not talking jewish okay okay so when i'm saying heaven i'm referring to any words you might choose going to the afterlife going to heaven going to the uh, like back to the garden even whatever term comes uh-huh, out uh-huh. what i'm saying that for any of the jewish listeners that's what i'm referring to i'm using the regular phrase heaven just to express okay so your understanding is and, and I, I, we did take a curious bend here and but i'm going to try to finish it out now uh, we've tried to we've talked about this before and somehow we don't get too far uh, essentially because i think we're approaching the thing from two different ideas i you're you're very um vague about the idea of the afterlife you know we we talk about heaven because we talk about well you are confident that you're going to leave when we do die, when we do pass from this life, mm-hmm. we're going to be with God and we'll be part of God's people with our God in, in, in a place of bliss and a place of okay. happiness All with that. our God. For, that. So, is that what you we call that heaven? Uh, it, it probably well, Latin heaven, paradise, Greek afterlife is a word that some people use or returning to Gandhi. What did you use? Gandhi Don. Gandhi Don. It goes Sounds like the, Gandhi. No, it says Gan Eden. Going back to the garden. Gone and done. No, gone oh. the Garden of Eden. So, <laughs> oh, what, Garden Eden. So whatever Eden. the afterlife is, and I use those interchangeable, okay. so we're able mm-hmm. to actually mm-hmm. communicate. Because mm-hmm. if I insist on one thing, but then we'll never ever communicate. Isn't there an alternative to the Garden of Eden? Uh, there is a punishment. Is that a place as well? Or? No, there is no hell in Judaism. No, no state. No, is it annihilation? Or uh, Some rabbis will tell you that uh, a person can actually be so blackened by their sin or their transgressions that they could extinguish their they cease being soul. human in a sense. Uh, I don't know that I, I agree with that, but uh-huh. I do know that's a doctrine. But uh-huh. they, they kind of developed that to deal with guys like Pharaoh and Hitler. It's interesting, though. Jesus, whom you admire greatly and think that he teaches accurately, he spoke often and warned yeah. about this idea of Sheol, of hell, or, you know, the place of eternal punishment. Punishment. Now, but just hold on a second. Well, he, he doesn't say. He doesn't say punishment, does he? No, and he okay. doesn't say Good. eternal punishment. Good point. Uh-huh. He says the fire is eternal. Yeah. Hmm. He doesn't talk about you're going to be punished forever. Uh-huh. He says this is an eternal fire, a yeah. lake of fire. Yeah. But he doesn't say you're going yeah. to be there. Eternal. Don't worry. I, 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 I am of firm belief that that if God wanted us to know exactly what it was going to be like, uh-huh. he could make it known to us. Or perhaps, on the other hand, in, in our current state, 
in our current way of seeing and living in time and space, we, we might not even be able to comprehend well, the, two the concept that I, of... I really try to express is mm-hmm. this. Because people think that Jews are a clique, that they're very exclusive. And the truth is, in Jewish thought, in the Jewish religion, uh, it is not. You do not have to be Jewish to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You can believe pretty much what you want, but there will be an accounting. There, will, there is a judgment, and the harm yeah, that judgment is going to be agree. dealt with. So, I fully think, and I think, I think most really deep, Thinking uh, believers, uh, and I'm talking about mainstream evangelical Christians who know in the Word of God, and, and I, I think if you had this kind of discussion, which is not had usually, where I'm, this is one of the first times I've heard the topic really between you and me, uh, and maybe it's a mistake uh, on the area. I don't know if people are quite interested in theology at this depth uh, in our culture and so on, but I, I don't know. But uh, I think most would understand that eh, Jesus says, I have sheep not of this fold. I have, you know, I've, right. there, there, there is something. God does have a provision made for uh, different levels of understanding that people who didn't know certain, they're only held accountable for what they know, for wow. what God in his, by his spirit well, has revealed right. to them. That's right. And and their response uh, is, what, when they do respond positively, I think that's where we can say clearly that, I mean, yes, God receives them, God blesses them, he tries to teach them more and more about himself and so on in this life, and in, someday they'll go to be with him forever, and then they'll realize that, one of the reasons they're even there is because God did this incredible work of redemption on their behalf. Well, whatever and his the name was Jesus. Whatever yeah. the afterlife is, paradise, mm-hmm. heaven, afterlife, whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever it is, the Jews' point of view on this is it is not just for Jews. It's for all humans. And God himself will make the judgment. It's really, if sure. I can use the term grace, it's, it's really based on his grace, not on what laws you keep. Mm-hmm. The laws have nothing to do with getting to heaven. Very interesting use of the word grace because you, talk, you started talking earlier about the angels, what they know and don't know. And, yeah, and what yeah. the and, and New Testament, there is a passage that talks about something that the it, it, it talks about grace. And it says even the angels are curious about this I this concept of grace and forgiveness and right. you know, redemption, and that they inquired to it, but you know they, it, uh, it's kind of curious that you used I that earlier. Uh, John's trying to get your attention. Now. I know he is. He's trying to get me to go to talk with Bob, and I'm hit the button, and I hope Bob is still with us so we can visit a little bit. Hi, Bob. Hi. We, I'm we enjoying are, the. Is this is this boring you to tears or? No, I, I enjoy the con- the conversation. Good deal. Listen, I didn't know this, but our music is coming up, Bob. Tell me in general, just in the broad strokes, what it is you want us to talk about when we come back from the break. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about. We could talk about the new covenant and stuff like that. Okay. Well, I'd be glad to hear what you say and your your kind of take on on all this. Uh, we kind of went into this into our passage tonight a little bit sideways, but I, I think it's going to work out. You hang on, please, and we'll get right back after this word from some of our program supporters. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. With spring in the air, seems like a good time to think of something Jesus said about flowers. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. King Solomon lived almost a thousand years before Jesus said that. And yet Jesus talks about him as if he saw him with his own eyes. Well, he did. In fact, Jesus not only saw Solomon, he knew him and loved him. Just like he sees, knows, and loves you. Jesus is the eternal, all-powerful Son of God, and that's why he went on to encourage you to trust God for everything you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You can learn more about trusting God at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. It's been said that we do what we want. We get what we ask for. When the wisest man on earth was asked what he wanted, he asked for understanding. He wanted discernment, to do his job, to carry out his role on earth. And you? What are you asking for? What do you really want? Ask, and it will be given to you. But make sure you ask for wisdom. You've got a job to do. Find wisdom. Here, AM 630. The Word. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me I can only imagine I can only imagine Surrounded by your glory One will my heart feel Will I dance for you Jesus Or in all of you be still Will I still to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to... You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. What a great song to typify our conversation this evening as we look at the, the theme. We're into second, First and Second Samuel. Okay, but I kind of came came into it a little bit sideways. You did. You are just sideways attacking. <laughs> it's a, it's a story of, of Saul and his children. It's a story of Jonathan. Uh, it's a story of friendship. Uh, David and Jonathan and the next king of Israel after Saul is going to be this young shepherd boy named David. And and, and it's about how God is guiding uh, history. Uh, some people say history is his story, and he is guiding it to bring about. His uh, intended ends uh, that bring about the work of redemption, the Messiah, the Redeemer, promised to come now through the lineage of David, King of Israel, and and so we, we, 
I don't want to lose that theme, and, and it's God working here on planet Earth in the hearts of men and women in the situations, and and to bring about through His people, using His people uh, as He would uh, those who know Him, love Him, using them in the process, but bring carrying out His His plan for humanity, and, and particularly and specifically, I'm thinking of the redemptive plan, and it's tied up too with the people, this He's people group his very of Israel. Own pawn store, pawn shop. Uh, say again. He's running a pawn shop. I'm going to redeem you. <laughs> yes, I guess that's maybe. We'll have to look at that um, that metaphor, or that uh, that illustration. But we do have um, John, uh, Bob, Bob Bob on the air, and I'm going to pot him back up again, and let's hear okay, from Bob. Bob, lay it on us. Yeah, set us right, Bobby. Hi there. Uh, I ca- I called up real early in the show because uh, Soapy was talking about we have to be confident, and uh, I was thinking, well, you know, let's look at the Hebrew. Because, uh, after all, uh, he could have written it with his finger on the tablets in any language, but he wrote it in Hebrew uh, <laughs> up, on, up on Mount Horeb. And uh, so let's, let's look at what uh, the Hebrew has to say and uh, about confidence. It seems to be Abraham's secret that he had something called confidence, uh, and it's, uh, the Hebrew word is batak. It's uh, uh, the bait, the first, the second. The second letter and the ninth letter, tet, and the eighth letter, chet, batak, and it has to do with leaning. Uh, you have the confidence that you can lean on. And uh, I always find it very interesting that uh, they leaned the the uh, torture stake or the tree on the Messiah, on Yeshua, mm-hmm. there in the street, and he had to uh, t- carry it. Mm-hmm. And he actually couldn't do it. Uh, they called uh, Simon, yeah. Shimon. But he was an African man, uh, apparently a black man, who, who who they leaned it on him, and he carried it the rest of the way. Simon is but, uh, they, yeah. They, mm-hmm. yeah, but they leaned it. They, they all the sins of uh, were leaned. Uh, all the all the saints who are, uh, say, "Well, I'm uh, I ask for your forgiveness, but I have confidence in you." Uh-huh. We we it, all of our confidence it was leaned on Yeshua like that. Uh-huh. And uh, so we lean on him, and uh, uh, but uh, you know Christians believe in the new covenant. But if you really read in the new covenant again, in, in 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 just read the Bible in Jeremiah, it talks about it's it talks about Israel and Judah. So if you're a believer in the new covenant, you're part of Israel and Judah. If you'll read the entire passage, sure. so. Um, it is. It's really important to uh, observe because the, now the law is going to be written on your heart. It's real important to have the law written on your heart, and and if it's written on your heart, you're part of Israel and Judah. But uh, anyway, we just need to. We need to. We need to lean. The idea of confidence has to do with a leaning, uh, and and a, a, like if you lean on a building or, or if you lean. Yeah, go ahead. Let's use the word faith. <laughs> All of those mm-hmm. confidence, dependent, depending on God, relying mm-hmm. on God, trusting in God, having faith in God, leaning on God. That, that's, I guess, I think you've kind of hit at the the core. There is that the way we as human beings bring the experience of God into our lives, whether it's redemption or even as believers bringing the blessings and promises of God into our reality, into our daily experience. The medium 
the coin of the realm is faith. That's how we trust in God, trust and obey Him, and, and as be, as God reveals His will and His directions to us, we trust Him and obey Him, and that's how we bring the blessings of God into our life. And I, I, that's what I was trying to get to tonight. That I, I guess what I'm saying is that we focus an awful lot in our world about the label that's on the bottle. I mean, we really argue about, mm-hmm. oh, I'm this or I'm that denomination or I'm this religion, I'm this. We really we care a lot about the label on the bottle. And, I, and I'm and i not naive enough. I do know that the label on the bottle probably means something. Well, if it's skull and crossbones, it means don't drink it. <laughs> yeah, skull and crossbones, don't drink it. But, but I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, the scripturally, God doesn't deal with the label on the bottle. He deals with the content of the bottle, what's in the heart of man. He, and and I, I really do think that the world is complex enough and complicated enough in terms of what people know and believe and so on that only God himself is going to ultimately know those who truly love him and sought him with all their heart as best they could uh, in the environment, in the culture they lived in, in the language they spoke and so on. Even the religious parameters in which they grew. Now, we have to be careful because I, I want to be careful that I don't want people say, oh, well, Soapy's so liberal, he thinks everybody, you know, no matter what, they just, it doesn't matter, many paths to God. I don't I don't believe that at all. I, But I do realize that the human condition is so complex and difficult that that God knows what he has revealed to the heart of each person about himself and how they have responded to that within them. And and he knows, and it'll be crystal clear, and he, his judgment will be right and good and fair and gracious and merciful, uh, but at the same time, holy and, and righteous and just. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is we don't, we try too much to really focus on does every every little word, every little letter. You know, it, it, there's not going to be an entrance exam to Eden or heaven or paradise or whatever we call it. it it's right here where we are establishing our faith, our trust, our longing. Do we really want God and desire Him uh, as part of our lives? And it'll manifest itself in some way, no matter what culture, what language, what time we live in, that will manifest itself, and, and God will know, and, and uh, it'll all be sorted out later. I guess that's where I was headed with it, Bob, and I think you've, I think we're on the same wavelength there, I believe, with what you've just said. You said it in the way I think it was clearer than I was even... Sometimes I try to say things, and they get too theological and too philosophical, and you kind of made it simpler, and I appreciate your call. <laughs> Thanks for that. All right? All right. So... Have a good night, my friend. Um, well, well there, there is one thing I really want to address, and I meant to do it earlier. Go ahead. Um, actually, in Samuel, there is something that takes place. And we all say a child drowning or some terrible events, diseases. We always say, why doesn't God do something about this? Yes. Good, now, good. I'm glad you're going to talk is, about this. The point is, it's in Samuel in our reading stuff. Okay. I wanna... an- no, wait, wait. I want to give some people the chance that they want to discuss oh. it. Because I'm going to show you something in a few minutes that's going to explain, I think, there's something in Samuel. I'm very says, eager to hear it. I really am. So why is it that... God would say, even sometimes it seems hard, even cruel perhaps to us, but it's going to be something that we do or don't do, and we don't understand why does God let these things happen 
Why didn't he intervene? Why didn't he stop it? Yes. Well, okay. So Why didn't he stop the Holocaust? Any... Why didn't he stop, uh, oh, Germany and Hitler and, and, and all the people? These natural disasters. If you take it out of the human realm and just talk about a natural uh, uh, um, a typhoon, or what do they call them? The big uh, thing in the... It's an earthquake under the water, and it causes tsunamis. There you go. Uh, <laughs> thank you. He didn't say anything, but he helped me, folks. No. He, uh, so we often... It's often the question is asked. Well, why, I, and I don't know that I would be... What I'm dwelling on is going to address natural disasters. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't mind. We can do that. But I'm actually talking about something else that's spectacular that takes place in Samuelton. Good. So you and, want to put a question out there? Sure. Let some folks have a run yeah, at it? if somebody would like to share or talk, and, of course, this is you too, Soap. If, uh, there, what, what is it? Is there anything that you can identify in Samuel that gives a reason why terrible things happen? And God even, even to good people. Well, okay, that may be your question. But oh, my, that's not part of it. Mine was why do bad things happen and God doesn't seem to stop it? Whether good or bad, I don't care. But why doesn't he? And yet there's something in Samuel. Because the, the reason is, I've heard people, they don't really blame God for bad things happening. They blame God for not intervening. Okay, if, 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 if a person, let's say a person is a murderer. Let's say this fellow who is putting off bombs in Austin, Texas okay. in the last month uh-huh. and he killed uh, I think someone others were injured he was planting these bombs uh-huh. okay when he um, when he was killed I, I think he blew himself up uh, as he was being yeah. pursued uh, it closed. Whatever, yeah. uh, would that be con- him he, his demise would that be among the bad things well it seems like justice, but certainly the things he did to the other people certainly is bad things. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, That's why I was saying uh, uh, to bring it into neutral territory, it, I guess we could all understand why God didn't do away with Hitler. Why didn't he do And he did. We see in the, he does do away with some evil well, people. Well, let's remember you just brought up Hitler. Uh-huh. And I, at, after we identify, well, no, what's in Samuel, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you who Hitler descended from. I think I already know, but I'm glad to be reminded. Uh, okay, folks, maybe you'd like to sound off. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I, now, some of you may think, oh, this is just boring theological stuff, but it's really highly practical no, because... And it's, it's, it's something concrete. Yeah. I mean, it's concrete in Samuel. It's not theory, and I think this, you think that. It's absolutely concrete. And there's, a, there's something in Samuel that you can sit back and say, holy mackerel, God said this? And there's the answer. Now, we may not be comfortable with it. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that uh-huh. one. But you're asking a question, Jake, and you planted a question tonight for uh-huh. for our listeners and for all of us that is really very common. We uh, I mean, On radio and television and movies, it's talked about we always ask why, and, and I've always, everybody always says, well, we don't know why. You know, I can't, even, even religious people or pastors or someone in the movie will say, well, I can't t- answer that. You know, I don't know. I, and I always, and, and I, I want you to know, I've had that conversation with, mm-hmm. let's say, as you said, pastors. And I'm always 
struck by that. And I always think that's a remarkable answer. And I always wonder, how did you get to be a pastor and not know the book of Samuel? <laughs> well, I don't know the book of Samuel evidently as well as you, but well, I bet you well, anything I've come... that you do know. And I don't hold it against anybody for not knowing uh-huh. something. There's a lot of things yeah. I don't know. But what I do hold it against somebody for is not talking and finding out what it is. That's the failure. I and suspect. Then sta- and then sta- setting myself up as a teacher and saying, oh, well, I don't know. Uh-huh. And I've got this role that's been pinned yeah. on me. But you know what? If I don't know... I at least hope I have enough. Need to, to be go talk working to, to find out and, we'll and talk to searching. Somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it, and and don't get us wrong. For we're not trying to be doctrinaire and harsh and know-it-alls. It is a complex question, but with just a. I think we just, and it's not unrelated, I don't think, to the theme we talked about here about faith. Well, that's so, so, so the reason I, when you were talking about earlier, the reason uh-huh. I was so uh, dogmatic about making sure what the Jews think mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. because all my life I have heard Christians say, well, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not getting to heaven. And that's okay, and I never criticize that because that's their faith. And I encourage people, whatever your religion is, whatever your faith is, as long as you're not hurting somebody, do it. Listen to your pastors. Listen to your preachers. Sure. As long as nobody's saying hurt somebody. But so I don't have any problem with that because it's not up to me, not up to them. It's really ultimately up to God. Exactly. So but so I don't have any problem with that. But I also know that the one accusation that's always leveled that I'm so familiar with is, oh, well, the Jews think this and the Jews think that. And I always think they don't think that at all. It's never even come sure. up. Yeah. The truth is the Jews are don't have the, the afterlife view or heaven, whatever we want to call it, that it's exclusive for Jews. That's never been a Jewish thought. In fact, if I might go so far, they look at the trip from Egypt to Israel as a physical symbol sure. of our travel to get to what you might call the, the promised land. Yeah, well, the afterlife does. Uh, okay, I know you said that I was using your figure, the metaphor, the going to the promised land as the afterlife, okay. as paradise, Perfect. as Perfect. whatever you yeah. say. Um, That's why I go for that. That's why I make it so important for me to say it, because I hear it all the time. Yeah. The reason I don't like the afterlife is because... Well, it's called heaven. The Okay. But see, when I think of the afterlife, I don't yeah. think just of heaven. Because I don't think every human well, being that's ever lived. X. Whatever it is you're thinking of, we'll call it X. Okay. And that's what I want All to right. refer to. Now, is it the Jewish thought? Uh, how do I say this? Is Jewish thought, and I know it's not monolithic. I know that they're Reformed, they're that's Orthodox. Okay. Don't, don't butter the bread. Okay. Just say what you got to say. Um. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. It's so hard to say. Are you universalist? No, no, no. Uh, Are you uh, a universalist in the sense that you think every human being, no matter what, every human being is going to go to the 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 response I usually get when I say no. The Jews have this idea. Almost, I'm going to say, better than 95 percent of the time, people say back to me, "Oh, yeah, that's universalism," which means that everybody's going to heaven. And I keep saying to people, "No." It's not universalism. You don't have a category from what I'm talking about. You have the category of Jesus only or universalism. But there's another ground in here that, and people, if they don't listen, they will never hear. 
And that's so the point is, no, it is not universalism. I kind of wonder in my mind if you've heard me. Because I, you said something just then. I, you said that you know, the believer, if you believe in, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. See, that's I. That is not at all the way I present the gospel. I don't say okay. if you don't, you're not going to go. I say if you do trust in Jesus, you can have a confident relationship. You can know wow. because Jesus himself promises eternal okay. life. And you know what? I can accept that. That's a little different from saying if you don't believe, you're not I going. I can accept right? what you're saying. Sure, of course it is. Okay. And I understand what you're saying. And that's great. Okay. And I always say that's great. And if that's a person's religion, as long as you're not hurting somebody, by all means, Practice your religion. Believe in it. Do what you want to do. And listen to your pastors and your literature and read it and pray. Do the whole thing. But there is a judgment, as the Jews understand it. Uh And the judgment will somehow deal with your sins, transgressions, iniquities. It deals with it. But ultimately... What it, the soul part of you, and I'll use the word soul for our, just so we can converse together. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to make it to heaven. So it's not universalism. Every human being that's ever lived. Every, all the souls return to God. And this is why the misunderstanding about animal sacrifices. Animal sacrifices had nothing to do with it. It's a lamb without a blemish. You bring a lamb without a blemish, and when they burn it, they watch a symbolism of the smoke rise mm-hmm. to the heavens. Mm-hmm. So if you're at the point that it, a sin is burnt away or whatever, you I'm using the analogy, rise to heaven. It was a symbolism. They didn't have the Internet, so they had to do it where thousands of people could stand back and look mm-hmm, down over mm-hmm, a hill and say, mm-hmm. oh, that's what, I know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the point is, no, it's not universalism, and it is not exclusive. And whatever is part of you, that is what you call perhaps the Holy Spirit. No, not soul. the Holy Spirit. He, he's a distinct person, but the Spirit. Well, whatever. I, I'm so flexible. Whatever <clears throat> word you choose to use, I go with your word. Spirit, soul, spirit, spirit, whatever, soul. That part okay. of you. It's individual to you. So you, that individual part of you, does get back to heaven. You, you're saying that every human being who's I'm ever lived. I'm saying that God gave it to every human being, and it, therefore it's returning to its maker, and okay. it will be you. Now, that's that's the point of view. Yes, is that. When you say make it back to God, is that what you would think of as, is that the only alternative? And what I don't get is, for example, if, um, if take someone that you think was a horribly terrible, wicked person who did not believe in God, who rejected God, who okay. believes in a different God and just okay. totally... Uh, that person too is going to go f- to to be with God forever and to live in bliss and the presence of God and enjoy. I don't know. I'm not familiar. Be part with, of the people I, of God. I'm not familiar with bliss, but <sighs> but I'm not familiar with that. But whatever it is, going back and I'll use the term heaven to represent any possibility or X if you want to. But yes, that person. There is something in that person that if God Larry would not be a human being. That part is going to be the human being's acts are going to be judged. There will be some kind of retribution, perhaps some kind of punishment. I don't know. But that part, when it's cleaned up, and I'm using that term, of whatever wrongs it did, that part returns to God. Wow. 
Well, see, that's why people ask you, well, are you saying that every human being, no matter how wicked or terrible they were, see, everyone's going to go to be with God? Say, okay, and, you're talking, now see, I'm not talking, you say, no matter how. I don't know. I mean, maybe if the Hitler, maybe not. I don't know. But I do know this, that the general rule is, see, because I noticed something interesting when you said a wicked person that doesn't believe in the same God. Being wicked is not believing in the same God. I I, I didn't mean that in that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, uh-huh. I'm talking about wickedness, uh, uh, idolatry, uh, someone who intentionally rejects the God of Abraham, the creator, of the, and, and they make up a God, or they... Uh, well, let's use something concrete instead of something... Okay, like let's go with Allah, let's go with anybody. No, no, I'm talking uh, anybody. about like this guy you're talking about in Austin. Okay. He killed okay. some people, right? All right. That's somehow, there's got to be a recompense. For yeah. That. Mm. All right. Now, is that guy... If he's not a believer in Jesus, from a Christian point of view, I don't know. That's up to you to say if you think he's going to heaven or not. Uh, but from a Jewish point of view, there will be some recompense that he has to do. But that sin, will, whatever it is, sin, intentional, whatever, will be burnt away. And then whatever belonged to God that was part of him will be individual to him because it was part of him. But that does get back to heaven. So, yes, he would get back in. Okay, that's interesting. That's and so, very see, interesting. that's why the famous story in the Gospels of the rich young ruler. You're familiar with the story? Sure. Are you going to... Oh, oh, we're not into the no, Samuel not, thing no, yet. But, okay. but I'm just giving you an example. When he comes up, he's not just an empty-headed fool. He's mocking Jesus. He's saying, hey, I'm getting to heaven anyway. So what if there's going to be a judgment? I'm going to live good in this earth. That's what that story is really about. Because yeah, um, Jewish mm-hmm. thought is, I'm going to get there. And this guy's making this is okay, I'm, I've got some punishment coming. There's going to be some kind of recompense for all this, but I'll get there. So what do, you, what do I have to do to get to heaven, Jesus? That's the sarcasm that the guy's given Jesus. Okay. So in this, Excuse me. and only in the interest of time, look at your question number... Uh, Number from Samuel four. here? For, yes, from Samuel. Let's go ahead and start getting into it. Okay. Number four. It says, Who finally killed King Agag of the Philistines? Now, that's interesting because uh, Saul didn't do it. He was told to do it, right? Yes. This King uh, Agag that, that opposed Israel and uh, uh, and so on, and, and uh, he was told to the so, King uh, Agag. Let's, let's look at the verse. So it says in... Uh, First Samuel 15, chapter eight, 15, uh-huh. verse 8, he says, he captured King Agog of the Amalekite, Amalekite. Mm-hmm. and uh, he captured him alive, and he put all his troops to the sword. Nine, Saul and two spared um, Agog along with his best sheep, cattle, and fat cattle, and yeah. lambs, mm-hmm. and everything else. And so he also spared his family, his children. So it goes on. And and he was told, as you said, to do this. And so when somebody came along, he said, why did you do this? And Samuel gave uh, his reason, his thinking. And he says, oh, he, uh, he says, oh, he's going to use the cattle to do a sacrifice, whatever. But then do you want to say who actually did kill him? 
Yes, sure. It, it was Sam. Oh, Sam took Samuel sword in hand. And yes, Samuel confronted Saul and said, hey, you were told to do this. You were told to, to destroy the animals and all this wow. stuff and to kill you know, these those who oppose and, and with a, the idea this verse, was a war. Right. In verse 14, Samuel says, but what is the sound of the sheep that I hear? Asked Samuel. Mm-hmm. 15, Saul says, well, I brought them from the Malachites and the troops are spared. Uh, for the best of the sheep and the cattle, to sacrifice them to God, we destroyed the rest. 16, and Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what God has said to me last night. And he says, Samuel says, you didn't do what I told you to do. Now, what God has said was kill King Agog and his his family, his descendants. Mm-hmm. That seems like an awful harsh thing to do, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It seems in our culture like, geez, why would you want to do that? And this is going to the issue of why, why God doesn't seem to intervene in things. Are, mm-hmm. you, are you ready for something? Yeah, go for okay. it. Who is the, uh, have you got your Bible handy? I'm right here, I'm looking at okay, it. Okay, so uh, keep your spot and turn over to chapter 3 in the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know where we're headed with it. Esther, Job, okay. Third chapter? Yeah, verse 1. Okay, I got it. And what does it say in your verse? It says, Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha the Agagite, Ah. over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. Now, you see what happened? Yes. All the book of Esther, all that stuff that took place would not have taken place if that king had been killed. Haman is his descendant. Yes. Now, who's Mordecai a descendant of? M- uh, Mordecai is a descendant of um, well, David. When we come back, we'll answer that. <laughs> okay, that's a good, that's a good segment to go out on. We, we've got thirty more minutes, folks. You can join the conversation, although we're kind of getting into the deep weeds here. Uh, but it's right there in the Book of Samuel, and it's it's always the underlying question. Uh, how does God deal with us, and how can we today have a, a confident, secure relationship with the Creator and live a, a life of, of that peace in, in terms of our relationship to Him and then learn how to live and treat people and live like the people of God here on planet Earth? That's, uh, generally speaking, the theme of the Bible all the way through. We'll talk about it more when we get back. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. There is The Bible live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. We've got one segment left. I hope we can get into this passage in Samuel. Now okay, well, let's answer. Let's uh, go right it, to where okay. we left off. All right. Let's go, go for to it. the question. Okay. Haman is a descendant of this king that Saul failed to kill. True. Okay. Now, had Saul done what Samuel said do, uh-huh. there would have never been a Haman. Well, Samuel did kill Aga. Ah, how, how, okay. long, how long is this take? 
And the, what happened to Agag's family? Ah, so his descendants went on, yeah. is the idea? So, and that's why, that's why I had you look at Esther. Mm-hmm. And it says, there's a descendant, and it's Haman. Mm-hmm. Now, he rises to power, and what's his goal is to destroy the, the Jews. Jews. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go back. So he, Haman is a descendant of this King Agag. Had this taken place, which seems cruel in our eyes, in our eyes anyway, back in Samuel, had this taken place, there would have been no Haman. There would have been no Book of Esther. There would have been none of that stuff. Now, the answer to Mordecai, who is he a descendant of? He's a descendant of Saul. So, uh, one chapter, got, we were looking at chapter 3. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. So, you're looking at the two descendants one, Mordecai from Saul, Haman from Agag. And what happens is, Haman does all this evil. This addresses the issue. When God said, these are my laws, do this. And then when we don't understand when something happens in the future, it's not, it's not man-made stuff. I'm not having inspiration and saying, mm-hmm, oh, you mm-hmm, need to do mm-hmm. this. Let's say it's from God. Let's say it's call it God's laws. Mm-hmm. Your failure to follow God's laws is why these things are happening. And in the future, it happens. So the point is, had they done what Samuel, what God said do, back in the book of Samuel, there would have been no book of Esther, there would have been no Haman, it would never have taken place. And therefore, a lot of times when we, it seems to be saying, if we're walking around today and we see something bad happening, we can go back and say, well, what did God say do at the beginning? He basically gave us laws to live by. We chose not to do it. So when it's happening, God, I'm thinking, can just kind of hold up his hand and say, hey, look, I told you to do it. You chose not to do it, and you're getting the ramifications of your choice. Now, my lands. Yeah, he did destroy everyone, uh, men, women, children. I am assuming did the same principle in terms of this battle, this war with the Amalekites, did the same principle involved that you've talked to us about before, that if someone were not a, a, a combatant, if they were not, they there was this path? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Even yeah, in this situation? You can't take one rule and read it in isolation. You have to take the whole bunch of Okay. Yeah. So the rule, and so it, he already warned the, the Kenites mm-hmm. they were in some way related or living among them or well, with what them. What was the Malachites, well, the first exposure of the people? coming out of Israel, and it wasn't just Coming Jews. out of Egypt, yeah. I'm sorry, Egypt. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just Jews. There was other people mm-hmm. with the mixed multitude, as I say. What was their first rendezvous with the Amalekites? They raided, attacked them, and... They, they, and who did they go and kill? <clears throat> they killed the weak and the stragglers. Mm-hmm. So they were being very cruel and killing weaklings. Mm-hmm. Poor mm-hmm. people, I understand. people. Well, it's like the whole question of the people of Canaan when God says, when you go into the promised land, uh, their sin has come up. uh, It's a time of judgment. God used the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment on the wickedness and the perversion of the people of Canaan. In the same way, I think probably that's what it says here. uh, God says to um, to uh, what he to was it to Samuel? 
This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies have declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Alamalek for opposing Israel when they came out of Egypt. And, and the idea here, I get at least, is he's, he's announcing judgment. Their, their, their wickedness, not only for that, but they continue to oppose God, his people, and so on. Okay, so had they done that, there would so, not have been an Esther. So he's using the people of Israel as an instrument of judgment on the Amalekites. That, that's what is being announced, right? Judgment. Would okay. you say? Oh, okay. I, could, I could go with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, here's a story mm-hmm. which seems to us kind of cool, cruel. Mm-hmm. And so what you got is you've got God through Samuel saying, this is what I want you to do. And Saul's saying, well, I'm not going to do it. Saul's failure caused yeah. Babylon. All right. Caused the... Uh, the, uh, the the book of Esther, the whole thing. All right. Well, let's go and ask Esther about that. Uh, uh, she might she might have a different opinion. Esther, I don't know. Okay. Esther is on the phone with us. Not the Esther, but uh, um, a descendant, <laughs> perhaps. Esther, I'm glad to talk with you tonight. Are we getting too much in the weeds in our conversation tonight, or is I, it seems to me that in its core, these are questions that all of us have to face, right? Yeah, it was getting a little weedy, okay. uh, but not that bad. All interesting. Right. I wanted to, uh, the question was, um, why does God let bad things go on, right? Uh-huh. In essence, that was the simple version of the question. Right. Uh, why does God let bad things happen, even to good people? Mm-hmm. And. I was reading this morning out of a book called uh, Abraham, uh, the book of Abraham, and the story, and I haven't read it all, but it's it's very fascinating. Yes. Uh, the story is the angel is coming to take, uh, the angel Michael is coming to call the friend of God, Abraham, home uh-huh. and death. He's like, in this story, 995 years old, but Abraham surprisingly says no now in our bible it says uh abraham died i believe at a age of 175 Uh but in this story he's a thousand years old okay and so he says the angel no no i'm not going no i'm not going until you take me in a chariot and i can see all of the world and because he was god's friend god said okay grant his wish and take him in a chariot 60 angels coming take him all over the place so he goes and as he's traveling he sees whoo look down there there are a bunch of guys with swords and they're killing other people and so abraham a righteous man never did anything wrong he said oh god send fire down from heaven and consume them boom his wish was granted and they were consumed and so you have examples then he sees a couple having a adulterous affair. He said, oh, my goodness, let the earth open up its mouth and swallow them. Boom. He got his, his wish. And God was watching all of this, and he said, this is not good because, actually, this is sin on the part of Abraham, that he, even though these people are sinning, and some of them terribly uh, stealing, breaking things, you know, killing uh-huh. Uh, he said for Abraham to take the command of the punishment to be the judge and jury and say, this got to end right here. No bad things happening to good people. God said no. And it turns out that God's 
standpoint or Yahweh's uh, view of that is, and he told Abraham, eventually he told him, I want these people to have a chance to repent. And even though you think that it's wrong, so it is, and that does, that's just another aspect, you know, of what, what, why is it? And that's a question we probably won't get an answer Uh to, not a definitive. No, but it's a very good insight uh, because (laughs) even uh, Agag, I I think it it seems to me to, it, it, it sounds good to me in the sense, uh, at least a very important aspect of the question is, is that what about repentance? What about uh, opportunity? And, of course, uh, one thing we notice about well, you're God. you're still at stage four, and, the, and God is talking about the last stage. Yeah, exactly. That's and what so, I was going to say. Okay, okay. It's not like the people of uh, the Agagites, you know. It's not like Haman and, and the even the descendants of Agag had not had opportunity then to repent and to from that kind of cruelty and hatred. Uh, and so there does come a time, I, I, I suppose, only God would know for sure, that, okay, I've decided to judge. The, they've had opportunity to repent. They've, and maybe some even had, but the nation as a whole had continued to, uh, there's wickedness, idolatry, perversion, and so on, rejection of God, and, I, and so on. So I, I get what you're saying. I think that that's a, I think it's a real factor because, any, anyone can repent. Noteworthy. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's noteworthy uh, that that God says, in, according to this this book, that Abraham was wrong. Okay, to feel like I've got to go ahead sure. and and uh, I get that yeah. punish these people now, and and then backed up by Scripture that that uh, the accepted uh, books of the Bible. Uh, Yahweh says repeatedly, repent, 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 sure, yes. repent, come now I will accept you. Anyway, let me let you guys well, Wait a minute, I want to ask you a question, Esther. Yeah, if you, sure. Maybe Jacob has a comment, too. Well, my only comment, Esther, is that, yeah, in the story you're quoting, uh, in that uh, the Abraham is making the decision. In the book of Samuel, it was God making the uh-huh. decision. So it's at the stage of the repent, 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 and they still said no, no, no. And so the clear, it clear God's vision, of course, uh, he knew what was coming. And so if he knew what was coming, uh, and let's suppose we apply that, that standard, that if he knows what's coming and we didn't do it, then what does come, even a few generations later, may be somewhat our doing for not following his rules, his laws. Hmm. Right. And, of course, the the punishment there was, uh, he said, uh, he said these people are doing horrible things, you know, and the punishment was take their life, you know, destroy them. And so, so there was, you know, the oh, earth opened up and drew, but we weren't talking about this. I mean, we do have the concept of, of the, if someone is a murderer, cold blooded murder, first degree, that, that it is right and good that the state or the people, they do pronounce judgment, earthly judgment, but then uh, on his soul, that's a different level of judgment. Yeah, we've we got to could... always keep the distinction between what we're talking about, let's say, spiritual, afterlife, business, uh-huh. or if we're talking physical. Uh-huh. And this is all the physical stuff. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, good, though, Esther. Great, great observation. I grabbed a couple of things there I really like, and, and uh, he's going to give me food for thought, and I'll search the scriptures and, and, uh, and uh, try to answer those in my own heart. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. Appreciate you calling. That's great. And so yeah, the- I'll All right. Good to have you. And, Sophie, there's another story that comes right after this. Okay. We've got about 10 minutes. Let's continue. The next story is Mm -hmm. the king that was chosen to take place after Saul is? David. David. Mm -hmm. He had already been actually anointed by Samuel, right, as a youth. He was chosen to take the place of Mm -hmm. Saul. Mm -hmm. So then what does he do? He kills Goliath, which Mm -hmm. really is a Nephilim. So he kills him. And then a Philistine, a, a Nephilim, yeah. Oh, well, he's a part of the Philistine mm-hmm. yeah. army. But um, but he kills him, and uh, he takes his head to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so he's doing basically what God said, as opposed to Saul that didn't. Right. Now Jerusalem technically didn't exist at that time. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, huh? It so was he, called. Uh, it was a place of the Jedi, uh, not Jedites. Not uh, Joe. Jeb, Joe no. Jebusites. Yeah, Je- yeah. So, <laughs> the Jedites are my so, Star Wars so is kicking in, yeah. and he buries it there. Uh huh. And everybody knows the term in the New Testament, Golgotha. Golgotha, the place now, of the skull. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And now in John uh, nineteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. John nineteen seventeen. It gives what Golgotha means in Hebrew. It means Goliath from Gath. And as we look back in uh, Samuel, it says, uh, it actually says, um, uh, Goliath, uh, I was looking real quick for the verse, but he says, Goliath from Gath came mm-hmm. and he fought David. So we know Golgotha mm-hmm. is Goliath from Gath. So he takes it over there. So that evidently was the place where his head was buried. Right. Now. On this place of the skull. The place of the skull. Sure. Now, look at the difference between that story and the story where Samuel said to Saul, kill, get rid of this king. And he's going to have a descendant Mm -hmm. that kills people. And uh, their repentance is done. Their cup is full, you might say. So Saul didn't. He made his own what seems to be a logical judgment. But he didn't do what God said, what Samuel said. But David did. And then Jerusalem came about, and eventually, and you should love this, of course, mm-hmm. uh, when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified on the place of the skull or Golgotha, Goliath's mm-hmm. skull. Mm-hmm. So that story is the companion story, and it comes right after Samuel having to kill this king and Saul not obeying. Saul. So David's obedience was part of a great good yes. in the end that God did for human, humanity and, and exactly. so on. Exactly. And Saul uh-huh. caused, because of his failure to do what God said, he caused Babylon, the, uh, all, the Haman, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So God was intervening, except he sought way ahead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they said, okay, look, this is I'm trying to stop this, but mm-hmm. you guys aren't listening to me. Mm-hmm. So all I could do is take Saul out of office. He's no longer the king. David is. But David does. And from a Christian point of view, then Jesus comes, and he takes care of the sins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, But the point, and the Great, reason yeah. that story follows immediately after Saul, and then David kills Goliath, and it go, takes the head over there, Golgotha. Mm-hmm. So you got those stories back to back. And what he's doing is laying the groundwork. Sure. And that is basically the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 when it says uh, uh, he'll bruise the heel and he'll crush your skull. Mm-hmm. So... 
that story about oh isn't that interesting the crushing of the skull i had never interpreted it in fact of that in fact i want to tell you what yeah. in the literal translation is the word crush mm-hmm. That's, yes it is crushed. i know it's so he actually so he's, it's setting up david is setting up everything and had saul king saul mm-hmm. done what god said it would have been no uh, killing of the Jews and the other people by Haman, who's a descendant of King yeah. Agag. So, if we say, and I, I don't know if I can say this with any authority, but it, it does occur to me when mm-hmm. I read the story, I think, well, you know, I, uh, my gosh, had he done it, the, th- the story of Babylon, Esther, all this stuff, that wouldn't have happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, it makes me wonder, and I just wonder, is have we been told to do this and something we're not doing? Are we setting up the groundwork for something to happen a few generations to our people? Oh, yes. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, obviously, one generation inherits the failures and the weakness and the problems and the difficulties and the unfaithfulness and the mistakes of the prior generation. And also, a generation can inherit and benefit uh, blessings. And I mean, we have we've we've been living in this country. I think in America has been living uh, uh, to some degree b- from benefiting from the faithfulness and the goodness and the and the and the righteousness of not every believer in you know in the formation of America, but America. Its founding fathers, its the founding generations were believing generations as as a whole. They were uh, they were faithful. They worship God. It was a part of our society and culture. And again, I'm not talking about every individual. But, and we've benefited from that, I think, in our culture, in our society. But we are, some say we might be in the process of uh, of abandoning that and uh, handing it over to a generation. Is it that well, I mean, we see it happen in the in even the, in the Israel. We see it happen, right? The, well, that's why the story is there. It's, uh-huh. a, it's an illustration that we're supposed to learn by. Mm-hmm. That here's a nation that God chose, formed, or made a nation out of them. And uh, what is the word? Is a scientific word about degradation that goes on. Things always decay, mm-hmm. and it happens not to just the wood and metal. It happens to people and societies. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we're doing that's happening in America. So we yeah. are leaving that. But here's what well, I always find it fascinating because I go back and I look and say he was told not to do it. Now, I will tell you this. You mentioned Hitler earlier. Uh-huh. Well, anytime anybody talks about uh-huh. this idea of yeah. good and evil uh-huh. and how uh, obviously he's the easy one. Everybody well, picks on Hitler. Would that, you like to know who the rabbis, the real sages in the rabbinical world? That he descended from? He is a descendant of King Agog. How about that? Well, that's... Now, that. true or not true, that's what they've determined. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, that is fascinating. Now, let's suppose all those things did take place. Let's suppose that they're right. Hitler is a descendant. Haman was. So if God saw that, he was intervening. Mm-hmm. Now, we can't, in the story Esther gave, uh, the distinction is that Abraham made the decision. And you've got to be careful about human beings making those kind of judgment calls. But if it's God saying it, then he mm-hmm. is intervening. That That is very satisfying. I, I think it's, and there's an element of that. I think anyone would understand that when... Uh, in this world, it clearly, as Esther said, we don't we 
we don't live in a bubble as God's people. We're, we're not guaranteed a bed of roses and that once we trust in God and, and trust in Christ and begin to live for God and to seek to obey yeah, him see, and now honor there's him. there's where I always I try to slow everybody down right uh-huh. there. Okay. See, when you say trust in Christ and be obedient, okay. I say trust what? Be obedient to what? See, To I, God's laws. To God, okay, to, but no, but see, what people say that, they're talking about spiritual things. And then I want to jump back and talk to physical things. God said, uh, this, these rules I've given you are physical for this world. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, but that's not what people mean when they say that. Okay, the, you may be the exception. People know, know what I'm talking about. Yes, I understand the spiritual dimension. I understand eternal life and salvation, and that is also promised to us by, uh, by Jesus himself. But once we become part of the redeemed, once we are born again, we don't get beamed up to heaven instantaneously. Uh, we have to continue to live now as redeemed people of God on planet earth and the scriptures tell us how we should live how we should treat people and and we have the commandments of god we have that guide us in our behavior to as god's people to walk with him and serve him but we don't live in a protected bubble it doesn't mean that everything is always going to go right we're going to be nothing is you know a, a bullet when it's headed toward an innocent godly person doesn't turn into a marshmallow just but we because we live essentially in a closed system ruled only by morally neutral natural laws gravity thermodynamics i mean the laws that we live with those physical laws they govern the physical universe and they function and we live in there too we christians get disappointed christians fail christians have disappointments in life we have illnesses uh we lose loved ones we have and and we still live in that same uh that same fishbowl even as those believers people who are not believers who don't follow after god and love god but, but listen to how but part the, of the, the reason your for word that choice is perfect your word choice was he said you're not prom- you're not promised mm-hmm. a rose garden mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. okay and i've noticed some if i may say some uh, unclear fuzzy thinking not not with you mm-hmm. but, yeah, uh, don't worry but uh what i've noticed is they say okay I believe in Jesus. A Christian says, I believe in Jesus, I accept him, all that. Now, that secures, from what I understand, uh, a security of an afterlife with heaven, whatever we want to call it. And that gives you your confidence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that's that. But he himself, and you just said it, I never, there will be troubles. Mm-hmm. He's oh, the, he tells us but that. But <laughs> he's telling you. How are you going to avoid the souls? I'm not talking about the afterlife. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about this world. And the world, the laws that God gave is how we're supposed to live on this earth. And so even Jesus was saying it. Well, even even Jesus, the most righteous, holy person who's ever lived on planet Earth, got killed at age 33. So uh, things, bad things do happen to really good people. But the, the point there is that he prepared it. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And I think part of the reason. Because so he's that's, saying, that's, look, I said, I'm, secu- I'm going to secure from a Christian point of view. I'm securing your afterlife. Exactly. But I'm not doing this. So how do we take care of this world? We live for him. And see, what we're getting at tonight is why does God let bad things happen? Why does not interrupt? Didn't. He said, this is how you keep it from happening. And we've chosen to be like Saul. I, oh, no, I know that's what you said. That's what, And I agree with it 100%. But it's more complex than that, I think, because we don't all live in that kind of situation. Uh, part, of, part of the reason, too, is that as God's people, we go through the same failures, disappointments, heartaches, uh, failure di- uh, ourselves. And, but... 
there's a difference in the way we go through those things because of our faith in God and our love for Him and now, our now trust in Him. Now, that's what I consider to be a little fuzzy thinking because I'm saying, look, you're not living for the afterlife. You're living in this No, world. I'm not saying you're living for God, uh, but though. But when I hear, I know, when you say you're living for Him. I've had too many people, Jacob, uh, too many hundreds and hundreds of people uh, over these years of ministry uh, who say, you know, how, why did you come to faith in God? Why did you begin to follow? Okay. Well, because... I saw this guy's faith. I saw he went through difficult things. He went through hard times, and he went through them with such grace and such strength and such hope and faith that it really made me hunger for that righteousness. That's why I gave my heart to God. You know, okay. it's, so I think it's part of the part of the reasoning as well. You have to give your heart. Let's do stuff. At any rate, uh, you should always be the kind of person you'd like to have for apparel. All right, folks. We'll see you next Sunday night. Thanks for being with us. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.